New Testament reading comes from the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 26 to 34, and can be found on page 914 in your pew Bibles. The parable of the growing seed. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day. Rather, he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel inside the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. The parable of the mustard seed. Again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you all for praying that the Lord would open these scriptures to us and for reading them so well to us. And um, you just heard those two parables from Mark that Jesus told, both of which were uh, about seeds. And we're told that the kingdom of God is like a seed. Uh, The growth of God's kingdom starts out small. And in the beginning, new life in God's kingdom can spring forth without fanfare, without notice. It falls to the earth without drawing attention to itself. Uh, It finds its way underground. Maybe a gentle breeze moves some soil over that seed. Maybe a passing animal presses it underfoot down into the ground. But however it happens in some way, the artistic ecosystem that God, the brilliant master gardener, has created finds a way for that seed to find its home, a niche where it can live and wait and live and wait. And above ground, up on the surface, visible life keeps on moving, largely oblivious to the amazing potential that lies beneath. But in these parables, Jesus teaches us that we would be wise to remember the kingdom potential that is alive below the surface, waiting to break forth. Jesus wants us to remember that in the reign of righteousness, mighty things can grow from seeds unseen, potential that may have even been forgotten, but is still very much alive. This fall, we've already begun the joyous task of confirmation the process by which 8th graders confirm their baptismal vows and officially join the Church of Jesus Christ. I'm always inspired by youth as they begin their more grown-up wrestling with the great questions of faith. A few years ago, when I was pastor of a church in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, I was, I was leading a confirmation class on the nature of Christ. And more specifically, we were talking about the mystery that Jesus is in his person, that at the very same time, Jesus is both an accessible friend who stands with us and beside us and the cosmic Christ. 
Jesus walks beside us as a human, just like he did with the disciples, but he also stands within the Trinity as the creative word who was with God in the beginning and through whom all things came into being. This tension between Jesus as a real person and Jesus as the very real God is pretty deep theology for sixth graders. And I was wondering if they were getting it at all. It's pretty deep theology for any of us. If you've ever taught young people, you kind of know how I might have been feeling. And you may have even gotten that look that they give you. They were just kind of staring at me. But then one of the girls in the class spoke up really out of the blue, and she said, like the lion, right? And I think she could probably tell on the, by the look on my face that I wasn't really following where she was going with this. So she explained. She kept leading me into it. She said, remember, remember that sermon that, that you gave where you talked about the lion from the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe? Lucy was crying because Aslan, the lion, was leaving. She didn't know if she'd ever see him again. She was sad. And then Mr. Tumnus made her feel better by saying, yes, she would see him again, that he would be back. But he also said that she would not know when because he is not a tame lion. She quoted all of that right back to me. Now, I know that using C.S. Lewis in a sermon illustration is not exactly plowing new ground in the world of homiletics. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that to prove the point that I made. What I'm saying is, and the reason that I'm telling you this, is that it had been four years since I had preached that sermon. That little girl who was in confirmation reciting that back to me had been seven years old when I preached that sermon. And I guarantee you, 99% of that congregation forgot that sermon the moment that they left the sanctuary. But somehow, this little seed had burrowed itself into the consciousness of this little girl. And it had stayed buried for a time, for four years. But for some reason, that little seed came bursting forth in a confirmation class. And it was pretty obvious that that seed was already blossoming into a surprisingly mature understanding of the person and the power of Jesus Christ. Now, you know this without me having to tell you, but I think it bears repeating. Children pick up so much more than we ever imagine that they do. They are soaking in things all the time, and it doesn't have to be very much. Their amazing little brains are just grabbing up little snippets here and there, and those are little seeds that are planted in their little spirits. And they live, and they wait, and they live, and they wait. And some of those seeds may never break the surface, but some of them will. When the right time comes, some of those seeds will emerge from the ground, unfurl their leaves, and blossom in the light of day. And some of those tiny seeds will be very, very good things. When we tell our children that we love them, when we show them that we value them for who they are, we plant seeds that can last a lifetime. When we recognize their gifts, when we encourage them to use their gifts, those seeds can bear fruit that we can never see coming. I hope and pray that we've planted some of those seeds today, 
as these kids will remember the power of helping to lead worship and the power of being valued for who they are and the gifts that they bring. Little Ruth has had a seed planted in her life this morning. As I know that this happens. I know that good things come of these little seeds because it happened in my own life. When people I respected and admired came to me as a senior at Davidson College and they said, we think you have gifts for ministry, a little seed was planted. And I promptly forgot about that seed and moved on. I was flattered by what they said, but I was not interested. I moved on to other things. I felt called to other things. But 13 years later, when I was in the midst of a career and marriage and parenthood, God turned me around and I began to seriously consider ministry And then and only then did I remember what those people had said. I hadn't thought about what they had told me for 13 years, not once. But all of that time, that seed was alive. It lived and it waited. And it lived and it waited. And when the time was right, it sprang up. The truth is we most of the time have no idea what seeds that someone might have planted in our spirits might break forth and find the light of day. Unfortunately, it can work in a negative way too. Some of the seeds we plant in others are not so healthy. And again, it doesn't have to be much. It can be a look on our face as we read a report card It could be an offhand comment that we say without really thinking. It could be the way that we walk past someone on the street who needs help. It could be something that our children see on TV, our elected leaders who may be governing with insults and threats instead of dialogue and compromise. It can be yet another school shooting in yet another school and the growing fear that I guarantee you exists in our children that something like that might just happen to them in their own school. Children see and hear all of these things, and they remember all of these things, and those little seeds can grow into weeds that we would never choose to plant. Little seeds are being planted every minute by the things that we say and do, good and bad, by the things that we don't say and do, good and bad. A few years ago, my daughter Kate and I were watching Animal Planet, I've been known to do that on occasion. I got pulled into a great documentary about Yellowstone National Park. It was called Battle for Life. Some of you have, may have seen it. It's tracked the survival of plants and animals in the long, harsh winters in the park. And one portion of that documentary focused specifically on one particular kind of seed, the ones that are produced by white bark pine trees in the park that grow at high elevations. And that episode taught me two things about those seeds that I think might help us find some light in these parables of Jesus. The first thing about pine nuts illustrates how something very, very small can still be vitally important. 
Now, these nuts are not big, but they pack a nutritional punch that's way above their weight class. They have all kinds of vitamins and minerals, and they are also very high in fats, good, healthy fats. And all kinds of animals end up relying on these nuts to prepare them for winter, especially to get enough fat to prepare for the winter. And even grizzly bears are incredibly dependent upon these seeds for survival. They'll get a pine cone and just sit there with their paws and click, click all the way around and get all the little seeds. And it seems like a whole lot of work for a very small rate of return, you know? Pistachios are worth it, you know, but I don't know about other things. But the fact is, you know, without these little nuts, it would be extremely difficult for bears to fatten up enough to survive the long winter months. For bears in Yellowstone Park, snacking on these tiny little seeds can literally be the difference between life and death. The second lesson is that forgotten seeds are very much a part of God's plan. Another Yellowstone creature that survives on pine nuts is a bird. It's the Clark's nutcracker or nut hatcher. As winter approaches, a single bird can collect over 30,000 pine nuts and then bury them across a 300-square-mile radius. And when the snows come, that bird will remember the exact location of an amazing 70% of those buried nuts, even though they are covered by deep snow. Now, in the morning, I can't even find my car keys where I left them the night before. And it's amazing, I think, that we use bird brain as an insult. I mean, when these birds are finding all these nuts. But as I said, in the kingdom of God, even the forgotten seeds are not forgotten by God. So if Clark's nut crackers find about 70% of the seeds that they bury in the park, that means that 30% of the buried nuts will not be found and will stay in the ground. And that means that a single bird in a single season can plant up to 9,000 new white bark pine trees that will continue the cycle of life and sustainability. Much of the action may be unseen. It may be buried, but the kingdom of God lives and it waits, and it lives, and it waits. And that is good news that Jesus wants us to remember. Not too long ago, I was at a meeting in another presbytery, and several pastors described how their congregations were teetering on the edge of survival. They felt the challenge of winter. They felt like they were in their own battle for life, And they said if something did not change, they will have to close their doors within a short time. I expect that some of those churches may already have closed. But the disease that is killing those little churches is by no means limited to small congregations. Across the entire church, there are fewer people attending worship, fewer people volunteering for ministry. There are fewer baptisms. There are fewer confirmations. There are fewer people pledging There are fewer dollars being given. 
But these parables of Jesus remind us to look closer and beyond. Just because we cannot always see God at work does not mean that God is not working. If we dig deeper, we will find many signs of life and vitality. And they may be below the surface, but they will emerge in due time. They may be small, but that is not a problem for God. Because the kingdom of God lives, and it waits, and it lives, and it waits. And from the tiniest seed, God can cause something big to grow. Something big enough for shelter, big enough for shade, big enough to protect and preserve life, even in the most difficult conditions. Rabbinic Judaism tells a story about an old rabbi who used to describe what faithful people should do as they waited for the Messiah and when the Messiah finally arrived. He said, if there were a plant in your hand and they should say to you, look, the Messiah is here, go and plant your plant. And after that, go forth and greet the Messiah. The seeds that we plant are that important. So important that even meeting the Messiah can wait. The seeds we plant may be small. They may seem fragile, but they contain life. So let us be careful and prayerful and thoughtful about the seeds that we are planting As we talk about our church and what it is doing, we're planting seeds. As we talk about scarcity and abundance, we are planting seeds. As we talk about what the Bible says and what the Bible doesn't say, we are planting seeds. As we welcome people into our midst or refuse to welcome them into our midst, we are planting seeds and we are planting them in the spirits of our children. By the grace of God, we have plants in our hands. God has put them there for us. As the body of Christ, let's go and plant them. Jesus will gladly wait. Thanks be to God. Amen.